I told you I was going to come back and do part two today, and we will. Um, but before then, let us go to the throne of grace in prayer. Our most gracious and all wise God, we come as humble as we know how. The preaching moment has arrived. And Father, I'm going to ask and pray that you rescue me from myself and hide me behind the cross and allow your spirit to come into this place and not only use me, but move among the hearts of your people that they might be able to see the word of God in their hearts, that it might find fertile ground this morning, and that somebody uh, who is struggling with something, uh, that they might learn that there is hope in you. And so, Father, I pray that the words of my heart and the meditations of my heart, I mean the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be found pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, O my Lord, my strength and redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Again, we're going to come out of the same text as last week. We learned on last week's message that we are more than a conqueror, that in all things, in all things, we are more than a conqueror through him who loves us, is what we talked about on last week. And so we're going to deal with the second part of the text today, which is found in 2 Kings chapter 7, verses 3 to 10. Now, therefore, four men who were leopards at the entrance up to the gate, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. Uh, and if we sit here, sit here, we will die also. So now come and let us go over to the camp of the Syrians, and if they spare our lives, we shall live and if they kill us, we shall but die. For they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians, but when they, when, when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had made the army of, army of the Syrians to hear the sound of chariots and horses, the sound of a great army. And so they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians to come against us. And so they fled into the twilight and abandoned their tents, their horses, their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was and fled for their lives. And when these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into the tent and ate and drank and they carried off silver and gold and clothing and went, went and hid them. And then they came back to, the, to enter another tent and carried off things from it and went, and went and hid them. And then they said to one another, we are not doing right. This is a day of good news. And if we are silent and wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. So now let us therefore come and let us go and to tell the king's household. And so they came and called to the gate keeper of the city and told him, we came to the camp of Syrians and behold, there was no one there. There was no, no one there to be seen or heard, nothing but horses tied and donkeys tied and tents as they were. Um, we learned again on last week that we are more than conquerors. And if you remember, uh, in the definition of we are more than conquerors meant that we uh, defeat our enemy with ease. And so as we uh, today uh, hear the word of God and those of us who know God ought to have a strong confidence in God's power. 
And this lesson today is for all of us because God has the power to deliver us from any circumstances or crisis in the same way that he delivers Samaria from this impossible situation which we're going to talk about today. And God will deliver us from whatever confronts us, whatever uh, besieges our lives and blocks us from trying to live a fruitful life for God. It is not beyond God's power to deliver us. Amen? Amen. Listen, nothing, absolutely nothing can defeat and conquer us if we only trust God and walk righteously before him, loving and obeying him. If we live godly lives and call upon the Lord as Elisha did in this chapter, listen, God will deliver us just as he did Elisha and the Sumerian people. I'm going to give you context and background on this story in the Bible in 2 King. If you ever read uh, first or second king and about the prophet, the prophet Elisha. Elisha didn't play. He was kind of ruthless <laughs> uh, in his prophecy. Um, brutal um, in the things that he shared. And this chapter of second Kings, chapter seven is no different. Assyria were the enemies of Israel, God's chosen people. They were their enemy. And so we're going to talk, teach and preach from the subject victors in enemy territory. This is the domain of Satan. Satan is the God of this world. But despite that, uh, God through Jesus and his death on the cross has made us victorious. Amen. Do I have a witness in the house? And so here it is that the Syrian army invades the northern kingdom of Israel and they set up a siege and a blockade around the capital city of Samaria where God's people lived. And so the Syrian king was no longer just messing around with the fringes of the city surrounding Samaria. He wanted to go directly to the capital where most of God's children live. Look, Satan is not going to keep tipping around the edges of your life. He's going to come at your head at some point. And so here it is that this this enemy of Israel has now mobilized his army and they have marched on the city of Samaria and they set up a, they seized the borders and they set up a blockade around the entire city. And this invasion had catastrophic effects on the city city of Samaria, Samaria and God's children. King Behenadad had mustered up his entire army and they marched and they set around a perimeter around the whole great city of Samaria. No food could get in. No people could get out. And the enemies, uh, all of a sudden, because of the blockade, the effects that began to happen in the city and to the people of God, a plague started to set in and it was ever worsening every day. The siege lasts so long that all of a sudden when things get tough, and you know it's this way today, all of a sudden prices start getting inflated. Even the most humble store owners were gouging people uh, for money because food was so scarce. They began to really sell unedible parts to people for ridiculous amounts of money. In the Bible, we are told 
excuse me, uh, that they sold donkey heads for 80 seconds of silver, that they were literally selling dung excrement that people were buying to eat. People were beginning to drink their own urine. They were beginning to cannibalize their own children. The things have gotten as worse and as bad as they could get for the children of God. And when that level of crisis begins to happen, listen, men will sink to the depths of depravity that are the most unimaginable. And that's what's happening in this story, in this Bible text. I'm in chapter six. Listen, here it is. One day the king was walking around the walls of the city and he was surveying and seeing the devastation that was happening to God's people. And as he's out on this walk, this woman comes up to him and she says this. She says, please help me. And the king, uh, he answered her uh, in the most profound way. Listen to what the king said. I'm in the Bible uh, in verse 27. Watch what he says. He answered her and he said, if the Lord doesn't help you, I don't know what I can do. Uh, it, it, it's hopeless. They're at the edge of despair. And the king is saying, look, I, I don't have anything that I can give you in and of my own power. And listen, if God is not moving on our behalf, listen, sister, you need to understand ain't nothing I can do. I ain't got no food. I ain't got no um, from the thrashing floor. I ain't got no wine from the press to give you. I ain't got nothing. And the only way that we're going to be delivered out of these circumstances, if God helps us. All right, but here it is, this woman, she, she, but he, the king asked her, I'm in verse 28, he asked her a question, and he says, he says uh, uh, what's your problem? What's troubling you? Uh, and as this woman began to share her story, she began to tell the king the most unimaginable thing. She says to the king, look here, king, on yesterday, I entered a, in a deal with another woman, and this woman said, look, if you allow us to eat your son today, then we will eat my son tomorrow. And so I boiled my son, and we ate him. But when I showed up the next day to ask her for her son, she went and hid him. Oh, can you imagine uh, after the king hearing such words, uh, it horrified him so much that he literally ripped his kingly robe. And as he was continuing to walk around the city, the folks in the city saw that the king had sackcloth against his body. See, they wore sackcloth when they were grieving, but in the most extreme circumstances, they would wear that rough mourning cloth next to their skin. And so as the people saw the king and, and his situation was hopeless, they said, look, if the king is in distress and the king is in trouble, then what are we going to do? They were hopeless. They were helpless. They were in the most unimaginable situation. Look, have you ever felt like that? Can you imagine being in that circumstances and situation that they were in, that they were helpless and hopeless and they couldn't do anything to help uh, their, their situation? They were overwhelmed with a sense of despair and grief. You ever been like that just over in the face of overwhelming grief and you're unable to cope and to deal with the problems and your life has literally become paralyzed. Your experience and your emotions are just overwhelmed and completely out of control. Listen church, I come with a message of hope today that even in the midst of hopelessness, in the midst of despair, there is always a message from God. It is a message of hope, a message of deliverance. 
And no matter how helpless we feel and how hopeless our situation may seem, there is always hope that comes from God to deliver us with his power. Amen. Amen. Listen, listen, church. God has delivered us from fear and depression, anxiety, grief, loneliness, brokenness, despair, divorce, severe accidents, or disease. And even when death is staring us in the face, guess what, church? There is hope. Oh, I wish I had somebody hear me in here this morning. Listen, listen what the word of God says. There is always great news, no matter what is happening. Listen, God says this in his word. He tells us to cast all of our anxiety upon him because he cares for us. Okay, all right, here it is. When things are beyond our control, God infuses us with enough power to conquer and to overcome whatever confronts us. He will go before us and fight our battles. That's why the word says that in all things, I wish you hear me in here, in all things, we are more than a conqueror through him who loves us. Amen. Amen. And so here it is. The, the king is... Uh, sitting at, I mean, Elisha is sitting at his house. And the king is so distressed and perplexed by the story that this woman shares with him. In verse 31, the king says this, May God do so much to me and more if by the end of the day, Elisha's head is still on his shoulders. And so the king then dispatches an assassin to go and kill Elisha. I'm in verse 32. Elisha, uh, being the man of God, God has already warned him that somebody is coming uh, to kill him. And so he says to the elders who are sitting in the house with him, he said, the king is sending somebody on their way here to kill me. He said, do me a favor. When they come, just hold the door closed until you hear the king's footsteps behind the guy who was coming to kill me. And so when they arrive in verse 33, when they arrive at Elisha's house to blame the man of God, uh, they say this, this trouble that's happening in the city of Samaria is the Lord's fault. How many times God's been blamed for the bad stuff that happens in our life? See, when stuff is going chaotic and stuff is falling apart, we like to be able to look at somebody or something and assign blame. We want to blame somebody for our condition and our circumstance. And so here it is. The king ain't no different. He looks at the man of God and he says to him that the problems we are experiencing and suffering are coming because of God. And then he says this. You ever been impatient in the midst of of a storm he says this why should we wait on the Lord any longer why should I wait on God I'm tired of struggling I'm tired of the things that are happening in my life I'm tired of being I'm tired of brothers and sisters coming to me and telling me just pray about it I'm tired of folk visiting me in the hospital and telling me my healing's on the way I'm tired why should I continue to wait on the Lord when there's chaos in my house and so here it is the king is expressing his utter 
hopelessness and despair to the son of, I mean, to the man of God. But watch what the man of God does. There's a lesson in the church for you and I. He seizes an opportunity to share the word of God with him and the promises of the law. Watch this in chapter 7, verse 1. Elisha says to him, watch this church. Hear the word of the law. Oh, I ain't got no help. I ain't got no words that can comfort you. I ain't got nothing in my own experience to help you. But listen, I know there's a place you can go to find some strength. I know there's a place you can go that ain't going to fail you. And watch, it's in the word of God. Yeah, yeah. And here's what he says. He says, he shares the promise from God. He said, listen, thus saith the law, tomorrow at this same time, there will be a measure of a choice meal that will miraculously show up at the city gates of Samaria. By this time tomorrow, it's going to all be over. Oh, he said, listen, there's going to be flour and barley at the gates that's going to be sold a lot cheaper than we've been buying donkey's heads. Listen, things are going to get better. That's what the man of God said. That's what we ought to always say, despite what our folk are going through. Whatever our situation is, look, I'm always going to share with you there is hope that God has helped coming your way. All you've got to do is remain faithful to him and God will deliver you. And so watch this. The king operates in unbelief. Say unbelief. unbelief. Unbelief is not a part of being a conqueror. Watch this. The, the, main, the, the, uh, the king's main man, the captain, who he leaned on heavily. What, watch what he says to the man of God. I'm in verse 2. He says, even if the Lord were to make windows in the sky... This thing, man of God, you just shared with me could never happen. Look, I just stopped by this morning to tell you, ain't nothing too hard for God. All things are possible in Christ Jesus. I don't care what it is you're facing. And so watch this. As, As the man of God is explaining to the king that it becomes incomprehensible, it is unbelievable, and the chief officer of the king blurts out his unbelief. He said it's ridiculous. He doubted what was being said with utter belief about the promises of God. He said this thing could not happen. Listen, unbelief and doubt is the opposite of faith. I'm going to say it again. Unbelief and doubt are opposite of faith. If you go to your Bible in Matthew uh, 9 and 24, but before we do, there are two kinds of unbelief. One kind of unbelief is doubting accompanied by the desire to believe. I love to, I love to believe you, preacher. I really would, man, but I've been in this thing a long time. I need some help. If you go to Mark chapter 9, verse 24, second part of the verse, it says, I do believe, but I need help. Help me to overcome my unbelief. And the second one, which is this is what they were operating in this particular context, is the, the kind of unbelief that is obstinance, hard-hearted, and refuse to believe. This kind of unbelief hinders the supernatural work of God in our lives, but it has another part to it. It will bring about God's righteous anger and his swift judgment against those of us who disbelieve. 
I'm in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Watch this. It says this. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, and make sure that our hearts are not evil and unbelieving and turning away from the living God. Elisha turned to the king and he made him a promise. He said, tomorrow the famine will be over. But he said, for you, sir, for you who were operating in unbelief, I want you to know something. You will see the promise fulfilled, but you won't eat one morsel of the food that will come to the gate of the city. I'm just going to give you a hint toward the end of the city when God delivered this man witness the miracle. But yet, as the people were going to get the food, they trampled him and killed him. Unbelief will bring about God's swift judgment to those who refuse to believe in the word of God. Back to the story in progress. See, we serve an on-time God. He may not come when you want him, but he is always on time. <laughs> we are more than conquerors. Even in the midst of situations that appear to be hopeless and full of despair, God brings along a man to bring a message of hope and deliverance to his people. And he's always on time. There is always hope in God and his power to deliver us. Just as it was for the northern kingdom who was facing war and conflict from their enemy. We face in life all kinds of trials and tribulations and conflict that come in our life like starvation and bankruptcy, broken relationships, divorce, being separated from our children, severe accident or disease. But again, church, hear me this morning. There is always a message in God's holy word that will bring a message of hope to us in the midst of our stuff. See, God has great power. And he uses that great power to deliver us even when we are in the enemy's territory. Look, let's, let's look at the text in 2 Kings chapter 7. Here it is that these four leopards who are at the gate, not knowing that Elisha had made a prophecy that by this time tomorrow the famine would end. You have these four men who have a terrible disease that the law prohibits them from being around a folk. They had to live in isolation and separation from other folk. They had very little hope. They were rejected by society. They were considered to have little to contribute. And they were insignificant and unimportant. And, and they were used by an almighty God. See, that ain't no surprise to us because God uses the most unlikely folk to carry his message of deliverance. So watch this. I'm a witness. And so here these four men are. They are in the most dangerous position somebody could be in. They were between two armies. They were between the army of the Syrian and they were between the army of the Israelite nation, not knowing when conflict might break out, but they were the most vulnerable. How many of you know that we are the most vulnerable? We are situated between two armies, the devil's army and the Lord's army. And if we don't know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we can be putting ourselves in harm's way. But I got news for you. If you're on the Lord's side 
and the eastern sky cracks and he comes back, he's going to take us out. Ah, I wish I had some help in here. Out of the most dangerous situation. And so here it is. As the situation for these four men grow worse by the minute. The king on the city, in the city, has already given up. And these four leopards are on the verge of giving up. And they begin to contemplate and uh, become philosophical about their position. And they say to one another, they say, now look, we're in a tenuous situation. And the one thing I know for sure, the outcome means death. They said, look, we can't go back into the city because famine's in the city. And if we go there, we're going to die. But we know we can't stay right where we at because if we stay where we are, we're going to die. They said, Let, why don't we just go to the enemy's camp and, 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 and just maybe they'll have mercy on us. But if they don't, we ain't going to do nothing but die. Listen, church, here's what I'm saying. God has delivered some of us out of the most dangerous situations. Out of, out of situations that, that were dangerous for us, that could have left us dead. And because we've, God has extricated us out of that situation, and now we're, we're miserable where we are, and we look back at that situation and said, maybe our altar, no, I can't go back to that because I'll die. But I'll stay here. And I can't stay here because... I'm miserable. I'm unhappy. My situation is growing worse by the minute. And I'm just going to die if I stay here. I got to do something. And so these men make a decision to take a step. And watch this, y'all, in the text. These men make the decision in verse 5 to leave the camp at twilight. You know why the Bible says twilight? Because twilight is just before darkness falls. Just before all hope is gone, it is at that moment that they make a decision to do something. Watch how God is. I love God. Watch this. These four men who were weak, unimportant, hungry, sickly, and desperate took steps of faith into a situation that seemed to be impossible. They chose to trust irrespective of their health, their insignificance, and their standing in the community. Their, their faith, watch this, in verse 7, the moment, I don't want you to miss this church, on the moment that these four worthless men made a decision to move at twilight, watch where, when God put the enemy on the run in verse 7. When did the enemy run? At twilight. The minute they made a decision to move, God went before them and put the enemy on the run. That's why I said in the definition that when you are more than a conqueror, you can defeat your enemy with ease because our God goes before us and defeats our enemy. Listen, as these four men went and marched toward the Syrian army, the enemy. Here's what I believe what happened. 
as these four men begin to take steps of faith, God amplified their footsteps to sound like God's army. I wish I had some help. God will move in a supernatural kind of way. He amplified their footsteps and they believed that they heard a great army coming at. So this battle-hardened army runs in the middle of the night and leave their camps empty. The Lord fights our battles. (laughs) So watch this. When they get to the camp, They find it empty. Here's what the Bible says about the children of God. He says, you can't win the battle by your own might and your own power. It is only by the Spirit of God, Zechariah 4 and 6. Then he said this to me. This is what the Lord said to Zerubbabel. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's army. 2 Corinthians 20 and 15 says this, don't be afraid nor dismayed for reasons of this great multitude. Here it is, for the battle is not yours, but it belongs to the law. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Listen, stop your struggling. Stop your threatening. God will fight for you. When your enemies plot to harm you, Stand firm, and you will see the deliverance of the Lord. When sickness and disease afflict our bodies, and those of our loved ones stand still and know that the Lord is the healer, and he will make you whole. He is the God that heals our infirmities. I'm in the Bible, Exodus 15 and 26 says this. And he said, if you will listen carefully to my voice of the Lord and go and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commandments, keeping all of his decrees, he says this, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases that I have sent upon on Egypt because I am the Lord who heals you. Listen, church, listen. When poverty comes and knocks at your door, call upon God and he will do the the battle for you. He will supply all of your needs according to his riches in heaven. Philippians 4 and 19 says this, and this is the same God who takes care of me. He will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. And so here it is. These lepers go into the camp and it's abandoned and they began to eat and drink and carry off, watch this, the enemy's riches. And so they go back again after they've hidden the things of the spoils. But church, I want to share something with you. At your lowest moment, when hope appears to be ebbing away, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, don't be afraid because God will be with you. To be more than a conqueror, we must surrender our will to God's will. 
as to oppose of using our own might and power to win the battle. A person that is more than a conqueror is moved by faith to obtain victory by God's spirit. I want to come with a a warning this morning, and we saw it in the text. There is a consequence for unbelief. The sobering truth is that unbelief will keep you from the promises of God. But more importantly, unbelief will prevent you from obtaining salvation. Don't be deceived, church. Those who cast their faith and depart from God will not inherit the kingdom of God unless you repent and get on the path that leads to salvation. Some folk might say, that's a hard word, preacher, but it's biblical truth. See, unfortunately, we the church have preached an imbalanced message. We've watered it down. Um, But the gospel cost. Yeah, it's free. Salvation is a free gift, but it ain't cheap. And those who cannot give up all and follow Jesus, watch this, aren't worthy of him. See, our weapons for the battle are not carnal, they're spiritual. Our fight and our struggles are not against flesh and blood, but against uh, principalities and spiritual weakness in high places. Listen, church, conventional weapons will not help. We need to stand in faith and let God do the battling for us. That's what makes us more than a conqueror. I got a song here that I'm going to share with you for a few minutes. I want you to allow it to minister to your heart, and then we will have the praise band come. If you play the video. Let it minister to you. quit.
I hope you heard those words. The battle is not ours. It's the law. The church is extending an invitation for those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ in the pardons of their sin as the praise band comes. Listen, church. If you know it's right to be in church, then you know it's wrong to be out. And this is a day that the Lord has come to invite you to come and to give your life to him. And he will no ways cast you out, but he'll come in and sup with you. And he says, come as you are. He secured for us eternal salvation through the death of his son. He paid our sin debt in full. And then God rewarded him by giving him a place right next to him in heaven. He went to the grave, but he didn't stay. On the third and the morning, he got up with all power in his hand. 